Welcome back to Premier Sports Academy guest speaker series brought to you by Sportscraft Source for Sports. So, guys, uh, welcome back. Um, episode number 19 of our guest speaker series uh, through Premier Sports Academy. And uh, today joining us um, is what I would say one of the most influential people in Canadian baseball, not only on the amateur side, but the professional side, a uh, Canadian Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame uh, He's in the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, as well as uh, being a JG uh, Spink Award winner for the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, many years in the game. Uh, Bob Elliott, thanks for joining us today, Bob. Thanks very much, Noah. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm good. Thank you very much. Um, I just want to, you know, we'll we'll get into your your background story. Noah, Noah will kind of take you through some stuff. But, I mean, just for some of our viewers out there, I mean, how long have you been around the game of baseball and, and you know, what, what does baseball mean to you a little bit? And why did you kind of go down the path that you've gone down? You know? Well, uh, my father, he grew up in Kingston and he played, uh, I think he played every sport, but hockey, but baseball was certainly his favorite. And, uh, he always thought it was his fa the fairest sport. I remember, uh, uh you remember, um, uh, Yvonne Cornoye, do you remember him with the Canadians? So I wasn't a big hockey guy, but once in a while I'd watch a period or something when I was 10 or 12. And I said, why isn't Cornoye playing tonight? And my father said, he is playing. I said, well, I don't see him. And he said, no, they got a shadow on him. And so the guy would follow him, you know, and you could see it. He'd skate over right over to the penalty box with him. So anyways, we got, I got to thinking and, and, uh, you know, when, when you play baseball, there's nobody grabbing your bat, right. Or when you, you, uh, uh, the pitcher gets up to his balance point and he's ready to go. There's nobody shoving him off balance, right. It's, it's, it's one-on-one -on -one and then all, all kinds of other stuff can happen. But it's, uh, I, I thought, I thought uh, this is way before steroids. This was in the sixties. I just thought it was the fairest game of all. And uh, and then when I got up here to Toronto, uh, I uh, well Mississauga, I uh, I kind of had the impression that, um, you know, you'd read and you'd hear on the radio about all these junior hockey players, and I'd go to these facilities with my son, who was maybe a peewee, but I'd see these older guys working out, and they're working hard as any hockey player. And I just thought maybe they should get some recognition. So that's how it all started. And so that's, I mean, a, a really good transition. I mean, you've been maintaining, uh, you know, we we're talking about it offline. Um, Noah and I were wondering, you know, you've maintained a draft list for as long as I can remember. I mean, what, uh, you know, just kind of take our viewers through, you know, what's involved in putting something like that together. I mean, we can we talk about there's some subjectivity to these draft lists, but I know you put a, an incredible amount of work into it. I mean, what types of resources are you referring to? You know, who are you in touch with to help keep this thing up to date so that it, it is, you know, an accurate list of the best players in our country? Um, well, the, it, it basically it involves a lot of phone calls. I mean, there's some people out there that think uh, I, uh, I'm the one making up the list, but I couldn't tell you the best right fielder uh, on a diamond at, the, at a little league game, you know, or, uh, ninth line which is five minutes from my house but uh 
the thing the thing about it is uh there's uh there's a phrase you've never heard of scouts you've never ever hear a scout say and uh, i said oh what's that it's i don't know and so these guys these guys uh in the states they're quite uh quite uh quite helpful and uh at telling me well this guy's ahead of this guy and this guy's here and this guy's there. whatever and it's it's basically a composite list but but what's happened the last few years is uh guys aren't signing on uh uh well it happens it happens in the u.s too but they don't go on talent so like there's a guy here uh, he gets offered four hundred thousand he wants eight hundred thousand well he goes to school so um uh the last the last list will be will be the ones that that that's the toughest one that's um uh, um Basically, it's on signability, and if I can narrow that down, who's on? That's the toughest one to do. It's like who, who? Like you might see, you might see uh, the best guy, but he wants too much money. He might go really late. So it's it's not an easy chore, but a lot of people read it. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that uh, I know myself and Ryan have known about for years, and I'm. Again, we just want to inform it, all of our viewers and all of our younger athletes that kind of uh, wa watch us here during our episodes and that sort of thing to kind of get, a, get an understanding of what this list is. And so, I, I mean, it, it's gone back so far. So when you were initially doing this, what gave you what gave you the idea to start putting together a list with the top draftable Canadians? What what kind of what kind of sparked that idea if there was one point in time? Um, I think it, I think, um, I think, uh, I used to write it for the paper and then, uh, one year I handed it in maybe about the third or fourth year I handed it in and the guy was from Quebec city and number two is from Alberta and number three was from BC. And the guy said, we're not running it. And I said, why not? And he said, well, we only go from, we sell papers from Oshawa to Oakville. We're not running it. And uh, he said, why don't you take it over to uh, Mike Simpson at uh, Canoe, the website? And I said, what's a website? This was in 97 or 98. And uh, so they had all kinds of space. And Mike was a real idea guy. So boom, the, the list went up. And then uh, he said, I think it was Bill Bykowski. I asked him, how many Canadians do you think are playing in the south of the border? And he says, oh, maybe 100, but you'd never figure it out. You could never figure it out. So I took that as a challenge. And, uh, you know, I think most years were over 700 now. But uh, uh, then there was uh, then we did Player of the Week, and then we did Canadians in the Minors, and it, it just kept growing and growing. And it, the good thing is about it, uh, some kids of, uh, or some, I, I shouldn't call them kids, some young people have, uh, students who finished school have uh, wound up with some, with some jobs. Like I walked into the Skydome last year and Alexis uh, Brednecki was doing the BlueJays.com 
story. Melissa Kudo was doing a story for Canadian Press. Nick Ashburn was doing Yahoo. He's now at, uh, he left Yahoo, he's now at The Athletic. Um, Andrew Hendricks was there doing some stats thing or something. And, uh, and there was a guy uh, doing the social media and they all wrote for us at one time. And I'm, and I'm sitting there like with my chest out, like, like I wrote a good story, you know, like a proud popper or something, or an old goat, whatever. Anyways, I was, we're, uh, as you know, the business is not going real good. So it's good that somebody can get a job nowadays, you know, now and then. Yeah, no, that's, that's, and you know, to, to that point, I think you just want to touch on that really quickly, you know, the, the writers that you've placed based on obviously the talent of their work, but obviously the reach and, and the quality of what the Canadian Baseball Network offers, which I think is absolutely tremendous. Well, I, th- I think they place themselves, you know, they're all self-starters. They were all, uh, they're all industrious and they all, uh, they all wanted, you know, they all had a love of the game. They all had a love of, of writing and uh, putting up with the frustrations that, that that can be involved in it. So uh, they did it themselves. All, all I just gave them is a window, I guess. And, and that's that's another big thing too. When we talk about window, you you hit on it before um, with there being over seven hundred, close to seven hundred or seven hundred plus um, Canadian athletes playing in NCAA, NJCAA, or NAIA schools so that's another list too uh, obviously on the canadian baseball network and guys will stick uh we'll keep reminding you that all this information can be found on the canadian baseball network that we're talking about but it uh just goes to show like y- you've been around for so many years of the development of amateur baseball in canada and how has um how has the growth been for you from your position where you've seen it grow? Is it is it on the up and up now? Is it better than it was before? Or where are we compared to, say, 2010? Um, I think the growth, I think the growth has taken a little bit, uh, a little bit of a step backwards, maybe a little bit of a dip. Um, but uh, there's not be for the simple reason there's not as many major leaguers as there was uh, but but the other point is we've got uh we've got uh gareth morgan at 2.5 million dollar signing bonus uh josh naylor and his brother uh no uh Noah, they both got over two million dollars uh that that wasn't happening back then you know so and then and we've got guys going to uh to real really good schools like uh Texas A&M signing letters of intent, uh, whether they go or not, uh, we'll see. Oregon, Oregon State, uh, you know, the, some top 25 schools, uh, they recognize the, the program. The guy in Ottawa, Greg Hamilton, has done an excellent job. That's that's kind of a turning point was 99, I think it was. He took the team to uh, – he, t- he took the junior team to Florida and that was Morno's last year. And uh, that, that, that made it a lot easier for the scouts because like, I remember a guy telling me uh, Brett Laurie's year, 
that Brett Laurie had over 100 at bats against pro pitching. So he was uh, uh, easier to scout than, say, going into Pennsylvania to watch a high school guy face a high school guy. And his coach, the the coach, the coach of the pitcher is 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 uh, has said now make sure that, that guy doesn't beat us. Don't give him a strike, and uh, you know so the guy's swinging at everything. But uh, the playing those first and second year pros, like they don't know anybody. They're just boom, you know, like ninety four miles an hour, and see what happens. And uh, things worked out. Uh, uh, for Laurie, Laurie got a nice bonus too. He got he got hurt though, but uh, didn't have as long a career as he should have. And you talked a little bit about you know there's you think there's a little dip right now because there's not as many uh, Canadians in the majors. We had uh, Jamie Campbell on the other day, and we talked a little bit about the importance, the role the the Blue Jays play in elevating baseball in Canada. And he said, you know, there, he almost feels like there should be some obligation on their part to select Canadians when, when possible and when it makes sense, you know, what, is, what are your thoughts about something like that? Oh yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. They were uh, like, I don't know every bonus that gets handed out, but I'm able to find out uh, all the six figure ones and I added them up and uh, going into last June's draft, uh, the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays ranked uh, out of 30 teams, the Blue Jays ranked, uh, 12. That's not very impressive for me. But uh, this year they got the this year they got the top guy, Desan Brown, an outfielder who's a real tools guy from he's from Oakville, speedy guy, and uh, I think he was the fourth round. Um, they they and they they drafted a couple more guys and they they hired a couple of guys in the minor leagues. Uh, the manager of Vancouver, if that gets going again, it's supposed to be a Vancouver guy, Lavalley, who was who coached at LSU Shreveport uh, the last couple of years. So and he's a Vancouver guy, and uh, they hired uh, Jimmy Van Ostrand as a Vancouver guy. Who uh, I, I'm going to get the title wrong, but I think he's had a mental skills or something, something deep, you know. Like, uh, that wasn't, that wasn't around 20 years ago. But, uh, <laughs> a, uh, so anyways, it's good that Canadians are getting jobs. I mean, uh, before when they let somebody go, the Blue Jays would say, on their exit meeting, they'd say, uh, they say, well, good luck. We hope you get another job. And, uh, well, you can't get another job because it's the only team in baseball. It's the only job. You can't get another job in baseball because the Blue Jays are the only team. But the one guy I know, he said to them, he was he was a little feisty. He said, he said, I'm almost as close to Buffalo as I am to the to the ballpark, and I can't even get a job with working for Triple A Buffalo because I don't have a visa. Yeah. And, and like I agree with Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's big too i mean that's something that we really haven't touched on is just also the individuals involved in the organization with the blue jays that are canadian you look at andrew tinnish as assistant gm um canadian born can played canadian oua baseball uh, Rock, Rock. Yeah. and then you look all the way down the line and there's so many canadians involved in organization but 
Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up too, in your opinion, what other organization professionally uh, really takes a vested interest in Canadian talent? Uh, Pittsburgh does. Seattle does. Um, I don't have the I don't have the list in front of me. Um, um, but, 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 let me think. Um, not Detroit. Um, um, the Phillies had a good stable for a yeah, while. The, right? Phillies, yeah. the Phillies did, yeah. Um, but I, I would say, I would say Seattle. I think Pittsburgh was number one and Seattle was number two. And Texas, Texas yeah. going back to Dempster. Yeah. They were, uh, they were quite active. Yeah. And now I guess I want to transition just a little bit, you know, I can look that to... stuff up, but uh, I, in fact, I should look that stuff up because then you won't be able to see my picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we, we talk about some of these lists that you maintain, I mean, just within, I think it was about a month or so ago, you released the most influential list, you know, the, I think top 100 influential people in Canadian baseball. I mean, there's the sport wouldn't be where it is without a lot of the names that you put on that list. What what type of work went into putting that list? I know a lot of people that are on that list, a lot of people that, you know, I've had the pleasure of either playing for, playing beside or something like that. You know, they're tremendous, tremendous individuals that have certainly helped the game. You know, what do you have a sense of pride in creating that list? And, you know, how much how much work went into creating something like that? Uh, basically I have a sense of whew, when it's finally done because it's so long because, uh, but, uh, I, uh, I usually have it done by the baseball Canada banquet and, uh, that's when I get a lot of complaints and uh, some compliments. And I remember the one year, uh, I had Beeston ranked number, number one, Paul Beeston, uh, he was president of the Blue Jays. This is six or seven years ago. And I had a, I just roamed the hostility suite there, whatever they call it. And I, I see him and he says, I want to talk to you. I said, you got no, you have zero complaint. I said, you were number one. And he says, uh, no. Uh, he said, I just found out that the list is six years old and I've only been number one two years. Why, why haven't I been all six? So uh, <laughs> at least that was funny. But some people get very angry over it, you know, like as if it, as if they had a bonus tied to it. There's no right list. There's no wrong, wrong list. It's just to stimulate talking about baseball in the winter. You know, that's that's the only thing. I mean, uh, I mean, I had Walker first, and then I had the three people that saved my life uh, second, tied for second, and then. Uh, you know, uh, Alex Antopoulos, I think, was up there. Um, so it's uh, we, there's a lot of there's a lot of Canadians working in the game. And and you you get to see, and that's the biggest thing too, was that you kind of get to see uh, a lot of that behind the scenes about who's working in the game. And now I want to take it to um, your one thing I forgot to mention on the intro is that uh, also. You're part of, uh, is it the Okotoks Dogs Hall of Fame as well? Yes. Okay. So, and um, I know that uh, you mentioned the three people that uh, saved your life there uh, a couple of years back. 
but um, or the past year. Um, so again, for those, if you want to just give those individuals a shout out and kind of again, you've thanked them a lot, but once again, uh, a lot of people that don't know that story, it was um, three individuals that came through uh, from the Okotoke Dogs that uh, assisted you. So if you want to just say their name so people know who they are, so that they can go and kind of do their own research if they like. Yeah, sure. It was. Uh, I was. I was. Uh... It was Super Bowl week, and I was given the their guest speaker fell in or fell through. So I said I, I could do it, and the guy said, "Are you sure?" We got almost a thousand people, and I said, "Yeah." I said I did forty five hundred people at the at the Hall of Fame, and I said, "But I wasn't worried." And he said, "You weren't worried? You weren't nervous?" I said, "No, I was worried about the forty five Hall of Famers behind me." But but uh, anyways, I was about three minutes into it, and uh, Boom, down I went. And I don't remember anything after that. And uh, apparently, uh, Angela, the photographer, she uh, she raced over, dropped the, put the, uh, the cameras down. And, and then there was, they had a, a camera, uh, not a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, an assistant trainer. She was there, uh, or no, she is the trainer, uh, Savannah. She raced up, and uh, they were racing to the front. Lou Pote, who pitched for the Angels, he he raced to the back, and he got uh, he got one of those uh, defibrillators off the wall, and uh, so they uh, they did the mouth to mouth. The girls did the mouth to mouth, and the I don't I don't know. They they told me what they did the chest compressions, I guess, and then. Uh, they zapped me once and I came back and then uh, the fireman who was next door, Jeff Scott, he, uh, he was, uh, he was uh, watching his son's hockey game and the game just ended when he got the call and he told me, he said, uh, he said, do you know what an echo call is? I said, I have no idea. He says, it's no pulse, no heartbeat. He says, that was, that's what they put out for you. I said, really? He said, yeah. He says, I don't want to be uh, brutal, but you were gone, man. You were gone twice. So uh, he said, the girl saved you the once. And he said, I walked in and then you crashed again. And then I zapped you. And uh, I said, "How?" I, I never met the guy, right? So I said, how big are you? And I forget what he told me. And anyways, I had 10 cracked ribs, but uh, the the... <laughs> The one, the one doctor at the hospital said, uh, "Have you considered the alternative?" No, I guess it's fair. <laughs> yeah, because uh, he said, "Where would you be three hours earlier, or three hours later?" I said, three hours earlier, I would have been in my room all alone. Three hours later, I would have been in my room all alone." Same answer. So, so, so he, he well, well, it was embarrassing. So, I, excuse me. Well, it was embarrassing and. Uh, uh, I, I at least uh, I had it in front of people who uh, knew what to do and they didn't panic. And the funny thing is the girls hadn't met each other. Now they're best of pals. They were coming here for May. Uh, they were supposed to come for May 1st. Uh, we were gonna, they were going to go and see the Yankees games. And uh, they uh, they won the Red Cross, uh, what do they call it? Rescue, rescue, Life Rescue Award, something like that. And... Uh, so that now they're pals. So, 
And, and you talked a little bit about being at the Okotoks now, just we'll kind of stay there since we've, we've, we've headed out West with the conversation. There's a lot of great programs across this country, whether it be the, the BC uh, league, you have the PBLO, the, the East coast baseball league in Toronto, you've got Vauxhall and, and the dogs. I mean, there's a lot of kids I think are wondering if you had a fantasy matchup with, with some of these programs, I mean, what would that look like? I mean, that's a conversation that I'm so interested in. Um, I think, I think if you had it last year, I think Vox, I think, uh, uh, I think Okotoks would have beaten, uh, Vauxhall because, well, they did, but the thing is most of the, when the Alberta Academy started, they, re, they started recruiting from the Atlantic provinces and they didn't they didn't touch Ontario or Quebec or BC. Well, then then they went in. I think Vauxhall went into BC first, and so now um, Okotoks has gone into BC and Quebec and Ontario. So it's like uh, it's basically a national program, which is tough for tough for the other guy. Yeah, and so that, I mean, kind of talking about the, the rise of the academy in baseball, I mean, that's existed in the United States, these types of programs for a long time. Um, the, you know, the Orlando Baseball Academy are programs I'm familiar with and IMG Academy. What what have you seen kind of those programs, you know, really do with, with baseball in, in the country, those live in, treat it like university programs? Well, I think, I remember, uh, I remember when Vernon Wells was traded, you remember that? That was what's that? I don't know, twelve years ago or something. That was the first time I was out there, and uh, my phone rang, and the guy said, "We heard Vernon Wells might be traded. Uh, can you check it out?" And uh, I said, "Well, yeah." I said, "Let me call you right back." And I walked into their infield uh, field house in uh, Okotoks. And it was like, I've only been to a couple. I've been to Kent State and Bowling Green. And this was just like a university. There's a guy hitting diamond, uh, ground balls on the half diamond. Uh, George Strait's playing on the radio. It was like uh, heaven, you know. And, uh, and, and there's snow drifts outside. It's January 10th or something. So, I mean, uh, I was so impressed. And uh, they... Uh, they uh, they do a, a wonderful job with their coaches. They have a, an overabundance of coaches. Um, Doug McPhail, who played on the first Canadian Olympic team, is there now. Um, 1984, I think it was in LA. Um, and they have and and Lou Pote. Oh yeah, so Lou Pote goes and gets a defibrillator. This is February 2nd when I went down. It was a bad speech, anyways. But do you know? Do you know? Do you know when they're they're training? their mandatory training for learning how to use the defibrillator. Do you know what it ended? January. Yeah, everybody had to have it done by January. So wow. as the one guy said, I was, I'm luckier than the Yankees playing at home, down around <laughs> in the bottom of the ninth. <laughs> so, and uh, to, keep, to keep going, you actually mentioned uh, first Olympic team and uh, somebody that's yeah. involved in the dogs program. So I'm, I'm going to kick it into gear and kind of bring it back to the East Coast now. We went out west and talked a little bit about the rep programs out there. Um, so here in Newfoundland, we actually, we've got a, a lot of great talent that's left the province and gone on to some big things in professional baseball. And uh, 
when you talk about it, there's three names for us that really pop up. There's Frank Humber, Troy Croft, and uh, Gerald Butt. Um, so just some, I know that uh, they've been on your list and they've been mentioned on Canadian Baseball Network. So um, we'll start with Frank. We'll move on to Troy as well and see if we can get something in there about Gerald. But uh, just your experience with those guys and kind of what they meant for Newfoundland Baseball at the time. Well, uh, Frank's... Uh... Frank's a legend. I don't know if he's still coaching this year, but uh, he was last year. But, uh, um, I mean, he went – I think he went to Wake Forest and then he uh, was drafted by the Dodgers and he got up to double A. And, uh, and uh, like, there's a guy who's uh, – I'd have to look it up to figure out how many years ago that was, but still coaching. I mean, he's uh, – He's. It's very, very impressive what the, his accomplishment and what he's done and given back to the game. Very, very impressive. And uh, and uh, I remember Troy Croft when I did my book, uh, the Northern Game. He had a he had a home run for uh, for Canada. I think it was in the final against Chinese Taipei to win the gold. And I think his father was sitting out in right field uh, and he got the ball or something. And uh, so anyways, and there was a coach from the Foundland on the, on the team. And the, the next yeah, day they, yeah. excuse me. Yeah. Flood, yeah. 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 So the next day they fly back at, at night and they can see the lights and uh, they get, he says, I think Croft said to the to the coach, "I wonder how the boys are doing tonight." Something like that, and uh, they come up the gangplank, and there was the whole team waiting for him. Like, how beautiful is that? Yeah, yeah. And he had the the medal on. That was that was the first time Canada started, I think, in '67 on international scale, and that was the first gold medal we ever won. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and that's Joe, that's a big. Joe, Excuse Sorry, me. Go ahead. Yeah. No, you go ahead. No, I was going to say, and then the end, and finally, basically, Gerald bought those. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, Gerald. Uh, Gerald was one of the few guys. They call it the AB Academy uh, do baseball Canada, but there's uh, very few guys from outside of Quebec that have played there. But uh, Stubby play, Stubby Clap played there, and so did Gerald, and Gerald was drafted. Uh, I forget by whom. I can look it up. He's he was drafted twice, I believe. Once as a as a pitcher as well. Once by the Yankees, I want to say. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. I think the other one was the Reds. The yeah. Reds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and just to kind of lead into that, how many guys can say that? No, yeah. and I was never. I was never drafted. <laughs> Same. <laughs> And kind of just sticking to it, too. I mean, uh, like we just talked about three guys from Newfoundland and Labrador, a small province on the east coast of Canada, where, um, again, exposure is not the greatest in terms of if you're going to stay on this island and play baseball. Um, but what does it mean? I mean, I've seen you at a number of national tournaments when I've been coaching uh, Team Newfoundland and then uh, obviously a couple of tournaments when I was living in Ontario. But um, what does it mean to see, say, a team like Newfoundland um, – compete and also be successful at a national tournament. What does that mean for the game of Canada? 
Well, I don't know why you didn't stop and say hello. <laughs> oh, I, I, you were a busy man. You were running around. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, I think it's I think it's great for the game. That's why it was so good with uh, like Andrew Case in the first tournament twelve and the the Atlantic provinces uh, won won the initial one. You know, but but uh, the the way the way uh, just to give you an example, the way so the Blue Jays might have sixty scouts, they might have seventy scouts. I don't know, whatever. But the University of whatever expensive you you cannot call call them all that they have one recruiter and the way it works is uh he'll phone up and he'll say hey ryan you got anybody for me and you'll say well you remember that shortstop i sent you two years ago yeah he worked out right and you said yeah he said well i got a guy who doesn't hit his better but he's a better fielder and he's good makeup and blah, 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 blah. and that's how okay we'll take him that's the way it works right so here's how like so Cole Tucker is somebody you guys should brag about. So here's what's going to happen, hopefully. Knock, knock. Cole Tucker's going to go to Niagara. He's going to get there, and the coach is going to say, hey, anybody anybody more like you at home? And he's going to say, yeah, there's Jimmy and there's Freddie, and then there's uh, whoever, you know? He says, really? He says, well, I'm going to come. When do you guys play? Send me, the, send me their thing. And he says, like, you can turn it into a hot spot. Like, like no matter, no matter where you are, because the, they don't care where you're from. The, the college guys, no. the pro guys either. They, if they, if they find somebody that can play, they're going to go there. Cause obviously he's playing against somebody else. Yeah. And that's, we've, we've been talking to a lot of the athletes and the kids and the parents and coaches from here about that for the last few weeks, we've been doing this series is that, exposure is is part of it of course but there is that networking that reputation building and and that's some of the things that we're we're really trying to help with noah and myself is you know through whether it's through doing this podcast and developing relationships with people like yourself or you know name insert any name we had les mctavish on it's it's to help create opportunities for these kids for those exact scenarios that you just described because there's been plenty of good athletes here that just didn't know how or where or maybe didn't perform at the one national tournament and it was the only time they've ever gone away right, right. and so it's it's you know helping helping with some of that stuff so it's a really good point that you made yeah. and the, and uh the other big thing too it's it's kind of uh it kind of goes hand in hand i mean we talk about again the national tournaments um and how how important are those for kids just to get out and just experience um in your opinion you've gone to i'm sure a number of national tournaments across canada but from the 13u atlantics all the way up into the senior men's national tournaments how important are those tournaments that baseball canada runs for just enjoyment of the game and also kind of every kind of developing that culture of baseball in canada yeah well let me see i think the first one i went to was edmonston uh, new brunswick in 73 and then uh, I helped coach in uh, Quebec City in 2007 and uh, Vaughn in 2009. But I've been to others like working or whatever. And uh, and I think it's uh, like little Jimmy, he can be the best in his city or the best in his province at shortstop or, or pitching or whatever. And I think it's very important for him to get to the national level to see, uh-oh, I'm, uh, hey, I fit. 
or I, or I don't fit. I got to work harder, you know? And, uh, so that's, that's, a. I think they're they're really important. What I would I think they did it a couple of years ago. They allowed uh, overagers. I think was it uh, midget age? I think or was it uh, twenty one? Has it as well? Bantam. Okay. So I mean, nobody wants to go. Nobody wants to go to a game and it's uh, play the game and it's fifteen nothing. Uh, nobody wants that. But I mean, they. To add some balance to it, I, I think is a real good idea. And uh, like I've talked to kids, and uh, they remember that Mizuno camp they used to have. <laughs> and I'd say, "What's that? Uh, what was your greatest day on the field?" I had like ten stock questions, and I mean, uh, maybe six or seven out of ten, the answer would be. Oh, at the Nationals, you know, where? Oh, I don't know, Red Deer. Oh, I don't know, Summerside, wherever. And what happened? So, oh, there were so much people there. They announced my name and, you know, people stood up and, you know, it was it was great. It was just like I was in the big leagues, you know. And this, these are midgets, okay? I mean, these are guys playing for Greg. These aren't, these aren't like, a, like uh, the one year I went to Williamsport. It's not that. The one year I went to Williamsport, uh, as I go off on another tangent, it's you think it's tough getting an answer out of an 18 year old. Well, it's tough getting an answer out of, out of an 11 or 12 year old. And so the first four kids I spoke to nothing, nothing, nothing. It was just like can. Oh yeah. It's nice to be here. It's nice to be here. The last guy, the last boy says, he says, this is just like the coach said. I said, what do you mean? His name was Matty Medeiros. He says, what do you mean? He says, wow. He said, the grass is so green. The hill, the hills are up there. It's so beautiful. And, and another thing he but he, that he didn't tell us, that the chicks are nicer here in Williamsport than they are at the districts, the regionals, or the Canadians. <laughs> 12 years old. Oh, my goodness. I was in 95, I think, or 94. <laughs> and so I guess that's a good story. I mean, I just for for me, you know, as we get you know towards wrapping it up, we got a few more questions for you. Sure. What do you kind of see as you know the trajectory of of baseball Canada? You made you know you made a point that there's not as many Canadians in the pros right now, but there's lots of really good guys in the minors and playing collegiate yeah. ball. Do you see a lot of people that are close to? making that jump that could, you know, reinvigorate baseball in Canada. I mean, not that it's yeah, gone down, but yes, to kind of give yes, it a big spark. Yes, I do. And here, it's not my theory. It's my uh, my friend, uh, Remo Cardinelli. He was like the second Blue Jay guy ever selected, and he was the pitching coach for both Francis and uh, Francis and Lon when they were on the national team. And he uh, – he came up with this line. He says, you know, he said, I've had that list of years that uh, Canadians and Canadians in college lists are stupid. But he says, here's what's going to happen. And I said, what's that? And he says, well, in 15 years from now, all those guys are going to be done in school. And I said, yeah. And he says, they're all going to get married. And I said, yeah. He said, some of them are going to stay in the States. Some of them are going to come home. I said, Yeah. And he says, what's going to happen? And they're going to have kids. And some of them are going to have boys and some of them are going to have girls. But the fathers of the boys, instead of saying, 
hey, Johnny, let me build you a rink. They're going to say, let's go outside for a game and catch. And that's uh, that's why I see, you know, the, 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 the pro thing may have dipped a little bit. The major league uh, total may have dipped a little bit. The minor league has not. The Canadians in college has not. So I, I think... I think uh, I think that there could be an explosion on the way. And I, I I agree with that point. And it's a great point you made about kind of just looking at the game. And again, getting back to kind of why not baseball? It's always been it is hockey in this country. And yeah. I mean, for us here in Newfoundland and Labrador here at Premier with our company, Premier Sports Academy, that's what we say. Why not baseball and why not now? Um, Good for you guys. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. The um, the one last question I had for you. So you've been involved. I mean, you you were around the Jays during uh, some of their best times, some of their worst times. But what is one Jays memory that you have that kind of stands out? What's your what's your favorite Jays moment? If you can pinpoint one, I know you probably got a lot. Um, that's a good one. Um, I, uh, I have one, I have a lot, but separating them, I would think, um, I would think, uh, maybe, uh, so in 19, we, we used to play this game. Okay. When we were in airports or rain delays or whatever. What players have you had the best relationship with? What player have you had the worst relationship with? And, you know, and guys would tell their story. And then they come around to me, and and the answer for me would be the same, George Bell. So George Bell is having uh, an MVP season. And this is not when they did him wrong the next year in spring training. This was, was just a... It was a game in April. They had him as uh, the DH, and they had Rick Leach in left field. So Mosby's te- teasing him uh, at the cage, and uh, Bell says, "No, no, you're you're wrong. You're wrong. I'm playing left field." And uh, he comes out of the cage, and he asks the coach, and the coach says, "Yeah, George, you're, you're the DH tonight." So he takes his bat and he throws it forty rows up. There's nobody in the park, thankfully. And uh, so the next day, I wrote that he was paid to hit home runs, drive in runs, and catch the ball, if he could, you know. And so he decided he decided not to speak to me. So uh, we go to Baltimore, and uh, three straight nights, seventh inning or later, he... Uh, he gets the game-winning hit, and it was like I forget the order, but it was Boddicker, Flanagan, and uh, McGregor. You know, like top top line guys. So, so the first night he says, "I'm not talking long as he's here." Points at me. So, <laughs> so uh, the other guys, I didn't want to run it for the three other guys, so I leave. So the next night, I go and get. Uh, I don't know if I got Cito or I spoke to Flanagan who was with the Orioles. But the third night, I'm angry. You know, the guy hits an eighth inning home run to put them ahead. So I'm I'm not budging, right? So I'm standing there. So I told him, I said, I'm not budging, George. 
And he says, okay, come on, guys, we'll go over here. So they went over there. So the equipment guy, he's hanging up the all the clothes and what Freddie. I knew his father. He, Freddie says, what the heck was that all about? <laughs> so I tell him, and uh, he says, well, you know, the f- first night he was on uh, Nassen or Nemesson or whatever it's called, or cable TV. He says he got a he got a gift certificate for two hundred dollars. I said, oh yeah. He said, yeah. He came in and he gave it to that clubhouse guy right over there. They're like a high school kid, and like George didn't do any radio or TV here. And he says, and then last night he was on uh, the Orioles radio, and they gave him a um, gift certificate for. Uh, uh, the Fremont Jewelers, which was $200. He came in and he gave it to that kid here. And, and then tonight, he was on uh, Orioles TV, which is this, they had two networks doing them. And they had him on, and uh, the gift certificate was a dinner for uh, dinner for four at such and such, some fancy dancy place downtown. He came in and he gave it to this kid. I went, oh my goodness. And... Uh, I said, who's the best tippers, uh, Freddie, in the in the American League? He says, the two Georges, George Brett, George Bell. So I went, I'm fine. I got, I got, I wound up, I was, but I was just lucky because Freddie. So anyways, then we go to, then we go to uh, 87 uh, to Oakland, to the All-Star game. And uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, George passes me. And he's going to the visiting clubhouse, but the visiting clubhouse at the all-star game is the national league. Right. So I said, I know he's like dumb George. He's going to the wrong place. So I tried to get in to the American league clubhouse to talk to La Russa about Fernandez and the doors locked. So I'm just as dumb as George. So we come around the corner, boom, right it. We bump into each other. And he says, what are you doing here? And I said, I came out here to see you. He said, really? I said, yeah. So the answer to, to my, uh, the worst and the best. And then we wrote a book, which was, uh, which did very, very well uh, on the bonus. Or the, so uh, the worst and the best would be George for me. <laughs> That's an awesome story. Too long a story, sorry. No, that's a good listen. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons we want to talk to you is just how long you've been around the game in this country and, and whether you know it or not, the people that you've influenced and the people that, you know, I mean, you just, you told us a story just a few moments ago about a, a 12 year old you met in 1995, right? I mean, those, when, when kids hear those stories, I, th- I think that's, that's pretty amazing. I think it speaks to your passion about the game of baseball. And I think why a lot of people follow your work, I would say, almost religiously. I mean, I can't wait to see your draft list get updated. I love reading, you know, basically everything you put on your website. Um, For me, I just have one final question is kids to Newfoundland, speaking to kids from Newfoundland right now, you know, what, what advice can you give them to one day end up on one of your lists? What, what can they be doing to be, you know, a a centerpiece, a feature on on the Bob Elliott draft list? Well, the, the thing is you can't, you can't beat hard work no matter where you live. And if you like, I went. At, I went to uh, Rick Johnson. I mentioned him earlier. To, uh, I thought you'd played for him. He he owns a facility. He runs a facility. And I went in there one day, and it, I was downtown, and I got caught in a snowstorm. 
And I said, you know what? I'm going to slide by, see if, see if this place is even open. So the place is open, but there's one kid hitting there. And I said, Rick, I'm surprised to see you were open. And he says, uh, he says, uh, uh, he says, wow. He says, we, I, I was here early, so I had to stay. And I said, and, the, and that kid's, I'm surprised that kid's parents drove him here. He said, oh, no. He said, do you know where he lives? And I, so he gave me like about six miles away. He says he walked here tonight, walked here in the snow. Like, I like I mean, if you want to be, it's like that line from The Godfather. This is the profession we have chosen, okay? If the coach says, hey, go warm him up, you can't complain about putting on the catcher's gear. Uh if you if you want to be a baseball player, you know you got you got to work extremely hard. You gotta you gotta get your rest. You can't be you can't be uh, when they're playing it. When you lose the first night of a tournament, and you're uh, playing at nine o'clock the next day, you can't be playing Fortnite till four a.m. and expect to do well. Expect to impress anybody. And the other thing is, it's not very hard to run ninety feet. Yeah. Ryan Radmanovich, he was with uh, the Twins. He told me once, he said, he, he played at Pepperdine. He said, he said, you hit a ground ball a second. All those scouts up there, they're saying, ah, oh, he grounded out a second. But he said, if you hit a ground ball a second and you bust your hump all the way down to first base, they're, they're saying, he, he grounded out a second. And the other guy says, yeah, but did you see the time? Did you see the time I got on him? That was just a routine out. That's a hustler. That's the type of guy we want. Yeah. No, that's great advice. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely bodes well. And I think that any of our athletes listening, I, I think they need to take that and also apply it. I mean, the thing is, it's great, great to have a work ethic, but we, we've really got to apply it. And it goes for anything that we want to do in life, whether that's baseball, whether that's obviously writing or, I mean, Anything you want to do, I mean, hard work trumps everything, right? So, Bob, I just want to – we'll finish up here, but I just wanted to thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks a lot, again, for coming on. And uh, we uh, definitely appreciate all your stories and all your knowledge and insight. And I hope that everybody here that's joined us today goes and checks out the Canadian Baseball Network. Become a subscriber and honestly read that stuff because it's great insight into the world of Canadian baseball. Thank you very much for having me, guys. And uh, everybody down there, uh, stay safe, okay? Stay healthy. Yes, Thank you, Bob. We appreciate yeah. it so much. Have a great day, guys. Okay. Take care. Bye. Thank you much.